Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, episode 47. How are you doing? I'm great. The weather has changed. It is no longer <laughs> like kind of warm and and it really was making me mad. I was very uh, persnickety because I was like, this is October and it's like 90. What is going on? I, I know yeah. we're screwing up the planet, but come on, you know, <laughs> and um, and that rapidly changed. So Mother Nature heard me and said, ha ha ha, Michaela, the joke's yeah. on you. So now it's freezing. The wind is blowing. The leaves yeah. are falling. Like, I feel like, I feel like I'm stuck in like a haunted house almost because things are creaking that never creaked before. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fall is upon us, which is good. Always good to get that heat knocked down for a minute. Uh, get a little bit of a respite there. Enjoy some fall weather, some fall drinks, uh, something good like the flannel we talked about in the lobby bar episode earlier this week. So go check that one out if you're uh, wanting a fancy fall cocktail. But Michaela, you and I are uh, on vacation this week. We are visiting the Finger Lakes area of New York. So we've been having some good drinks, uh, you know, watching some good TV, uh, checking out some wine, some beer, all sorts of good stuff. So do you have any have any highlights or recommendations or uh, why should people come and enjoy life in the Finger Lakes? Well, first of all, it's really beautiful. Um, so I lived in a majority of my life in Texas where there are no uh, seasons basically uh, anywhere mm. in Texas, maybe up north, but I didn't live up north because I don't think anybody does. But there it's like summer and like summer light. Those are the only two uh, seasons that you have in Texas if you live there, mixed with like 90% humidity and 89% humidity. So it's still real hot and real humid pretty much all year round. It's real right, fun, sure. real fun. So I am just in love with the colors of fall and the crispness of the air. And um, as anybody who knows a little bit about wine knows, you know, you don't have, we have a wine country in Texas, but it's usually fortified sweet stuff because it's so hot and humid there. Mm -hmm. That's the only stuff that you can make. So um, up in the Finger Lakes, you have some amazing wineries that do a lot of really cool different wines. They're not like California style at all. It, but they're really amazing and they're tasty and they're not, you know, a hundred thousand dollars for one bottle either. It's, it's a great place to go. And this is the great time to do it because it's so beautiful and it is cold and crisp. So you definitely in the evenings want to sit by a fire and drink some of that flannel cocktail that you made. Cause it's so mm -hmm. delicious, but yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful up here. I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I've been having a really good time been having some good drinks and it's all been going pretty good, but it's not all been good news up here, Michaela, a oh, little no. bit of bad news. I didn't, I didn't tell I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to freak out. You know, we're getting close to Halloween. We've been talking about a lot of spooky movies. Um, and I know how you get worked up over these things. So the other morning 
I was getting into the refrigerator. I was, I was cooking some eggs. Everything was going fine. Open the fridge and you're not going to believe what was inside. What? Uh, it was a portal to another dimension and uh, someone just yelling uh, that they want to find Zool. Zool? Who the heck is Zool? I don't, I don't know, but if we're going to get to the bottom of it, we better make up a cocktail uh, so we can, we can uh, find this out because who are we going to call? Uh, we're going to call Drink the Movies for a cocktail. So let's take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this week's cocktail comes from spruceeats.com and it's aptly named the Ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fun uh, and it's real easy to make. It's not for kids. We were trying to figure out how to kind of recreate the Ecto Cooler, which was a high C drink mm-hmm. that um, came out in the mid eighties. And then it actually lasted for almost 20 years, even though it was supposed to be a limited release, but they did stop making it in the early 2000s. And so we were going to try and recreate it, but haven't found a recipe that actually does it justice. So, um, so sorry, kids, this one is just for mom and dad, but uh, everybody should try it because it's awesome. It looks real cool. It's um, it's like this really effervescent green, kind of a neon green color. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's real easy to make. Okay. So it is one and a half ounces of peach schnapps one and a half ounces of any sort of melon liqueur. Mm-hmm. And then what you're going to do is you're going to mix those two in a shaker um, and then pour it into a glass. And then you're going to take some Irish cream. Uh, you can use Bailey's or any other brand that you like. We um, are kind of snobby about our Irish cream here at drink the movies. So we used five farms and you want to use a dropper or a straw, and you want to just drop like three to five drops into uh, the drink of the concoction once it's Mm -hmm. in the glass that you want it to be in. Now, we serve this both in a rocks glass as well as a kind of a martini, and it looks Mm -hmm. really good both ways, but you just want to be sure that when you drop the drop onto the Irish cream that the they're not too big. The drops are not too big because it'll just sink to the bottom and kind of coagulate, which still looks creepy and weird, but it's not nearly as cool as if it kind of sits on top and it kind of floats in the green mm-hmm. kind of gel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. it's so cool. Um, they look like a uh, little like spirits floating around inside of this, uh, this like ectoplasm kind of shaded thing, right? Like you, you blend it up Slimer and pour them into a glass. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh like I said, it's it's two ingredients plus a, a couple of drops of the Irish cream. So it comes together uh, really good. Um, it's really, it's it's very melony. Uh, so we used uh, the Midori, which is a, probably the most famous of the, you know, the melon liqueurs there. Um, and you get a lot of that flavor up front and then kind of some sweetness from the, the peach schnapps. And then Michaela, you made a little, uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man head to kind of stick in there as a garnish. I don't, I don't know that flavor wise it did anything, but it looked awesome. If you were doing some Ghostbusters themed drinks, 
Yeah, um, I did. I, I'm not crafty at all. So I pride myself when I can be a little crafty because I just want to be crafty enough for it to look cool. But I know full well, like Martha Stewart does not run in my blood. Okay. So I was really excited. I um, just thought about it actually. And you can get, if you get the Stay Puff marshmallows and they should be Stay Puffed, you, if you know why, you know, um, you cut them in half and you basically kind of prop a little like a piece of the marshmallow on top of one marshmallow stick it in with a stick them together with like a toothpick and uh, get some food coloring or food coloring gel that you would use for cake decorating that's blue and kind of wrap it around um it's not hard to make you can youtube it there's a bunch of youtube videos um, that actually can get more or less complex, but once again, not, not super crafty. So I did the best I could. I thought that was really cute. It was a nice, um, it was a nice, cute little garnish for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was super, super cool looking. So it, head over to our website, drinkmovies.com to see a little picture of our cocktail there. But, uh, Michaela, what did you, what did you think about this one? Um, for me, I thought it was a, a little sweet. It was good. Um, but kind of a big like martini glass size of it was a little bit too much. I think this would have worked really good as like a like a shooter. So if you would have done like maybe like half the amount or like a half an ounce of the schnapps in the melon liqueur and just did it as like a shot or like a shooter, I think that that would have been a little better for me. But what did you think about it? Yeah, I have to agree. I think that what we're finding in most of the drinks that we're covering this week are, and I think you said this last last episode, was that they're really great for like a party novelty cocktail. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'd be drinking this uh, for weeks on end. So this is not going to be something that I'm going to have in my back pocket on a random Tuesday night because it, it because it is a little sweet. I thought it was delicious. And I think that, yeah, if we either made, like if they had mini- like those oversized shot glasses or like a shooter, but it needs to be tall enough um, to be able to really see the, the ghostly kind of creepiness of the Bailey's or the, the Irish cream that's kind of sitting in it. And so you need it to be uh, kind of a smaller shooter in girth and like one of those higher kind of taller shooter glasses, if that makes sense. Because if it's too flat, then you won't see, it'll just look like a green drink, which is still cool. But yeah, I, I think less is more in this one. Um, unless you love super sweet drinks, if sweet drinks are your thing, then you're going to love this. Cause I did think it was delicious and I was a little worried about it because I'm not a melon person. So um, yeah, it's great. It's just less is more, I think. Yeah, so def definitely if you if you have the the schnapps and the Melokur uh, lying around, this one's super easy to make and uh, delicious to have with this week's movie. So now that we have ours made, Michaela, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about this week's movie, which is obviously, of course, Ghostbusters. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Spoiler warning for Ghostbusters. If you've not yet seen Ivan Reitman's Ghostbusters, then stop what you're doing. Press pause. I'm serious. Go mix yourself up some Ghostbusters cocktail that looks like Slimer. Come back, watch the movie, and we can chat about it. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, and if you're approximately Michaela and Mai's age, you've most definitely seen Ghostbusters. But yeah, if you've not, definitely go check it out because it is an all-time classic, a beloved uh, film for people. And this one came out in 1984, and it was directed by Ivan Reitman, as Michaela just mentioned. And it stars a lot of people, a lot of comedy geniuses, uh, a lot of, you know, really big, like, 80s icon stars. Uh, but We'll, we'll stick with these three for right now. So it stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Remus. And they play the, the founding fathers of our paranormal removal squad, a.k.a. the Ghostbusters. Yep. Yeah, this this film uh, did pretty well, I think, in the box office. Um, there was a sequel, and then there was a uh, another kind of reboot uh, made years and years later. And now it looks like there's another, uh, I don't think it's a sequel, uh, well, no, maybe it is. Um, I think it is a spiritual is, successor, I think they call, call Oh, is that what they're calling it? Fantastic. So that yeah. one's supposed to be coming out, I think, sometime later this year um, mm-hmm. that we're super excited about. Um, but this this film did really well in the box office. It was nominated for visual effects uh, and for the original best song, which mm-hmm. was done by Ray Parker Jr. Um, everybody should know the song. It's the I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. I'm not going to sing it because... I'm going to do the world a favor today, but um, it was wow. nominated for those things, but it did not. Um, it did not win either one of those, which makes me sad because the visual effects, while you see them now, um, some of it looks a little hokey. Uh, some of it looks mm-hmm. actually really inspired and very, very cool. And I think this film was a lot of inspiration around um, certain visual effects going forward, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. ectoplasm and all of that stuff that, you see now in horror movies and like comedies and any sort of sci-fi stuff or, or paranormal things. A lot of the stuff, actually, if you, if you look at it, it came from this film. So that's really kind of neat. Yeah. There's a lot of techniques and things that were pretty groundbreaking for the time. And then uh, if you, if you watch it, you know, keeping in mind that this was in 1984, as you watch films, you know, throughout the rest of the eighties, um, they had, you know, very similar kind of uh, effect styling and things as we saw here in Ghostbusters. And when I was looking this up about the Academy Awards and I saw that it did not win the best original song, I was like, that's insane. Everyone knows the Ghostbusters song that Ray Parker Jr. did. Uh, how could it possibly have not won? And then I looked it up and the best music original song in the uh, 1985 Academy Awards was insane. So uh, it was also nominated alongside two songs from Footloose. So you had Footloose and Let's Hear It For The Boy. Uh, we oh. had the uh, the Phil Collins hit, Take A Look At Me Now, uh, aka Against All Odds from the movie Against All Odds. And the winner that year was I Just Called To Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder. So I don't know how you really <laughs> pick between uh, all of those songs. Oh, so. man. Man. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because just knowing that it lost uh, really made me mad. I was like, everybody knows that song. I mean, today, I mean, it's it's at every Halloween party. Yeah. Right. Kids love it. It's fantastic. Like it's so it's so iconic. But I guess against all four of those. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I did. I didn't. I didn't uh, look into the others uh, quite as close. So the the Ghostbusters song um, was number one on the Billboard Top 100 for three weeks. But I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that uh, those other uh, nominees were probably also at some point number one on the uh, charts that year. So uh, just just a good year for movie soundtracks. So you were getting your cassette tapes of all of these things and uh, listening to those, making your own mixtape. Uh, you could uh, you could put your own uh, soundtrack together. But this movie starts out 
uh, very innocuously and little uh, little old librarian just kind of walking through, putting some books away uh, in the library. Uh, but something is afoot at this library. We don't know what it is, but it seems like uh, like something's bad. So we're going to have to round up the gang and figure it out, Michaela. Yep, yep. Now, when we meet the three Ghostbusters, the three originals, um, it's it's really interesting because they're you know. Dr. Venkman, Peter Venkman, played beautifully, so beautifully by uh, Bill Murray, is in the process of doing some really um, messed up tests around if, you know, is there negative uh, reinforcement and negative. Uh, yeah, it's like a negative reinforcement, like, like, like affects your ESP ability. Right, exactly. And so he's basically, uh, people have said that they will accept five dollars to like sit there and be asked questions and if they get the questions wrong they're they're given electric shocks which doesn't that sound good um but it's actually pretty funny the scene is hilarious and so there's this really um kind of nerdy looking guy that is getting asked hey you know what what's behind this uh door what's behind the screen and he can't get it right because that's um real hard if you're not psychic and so he keeps getting shocked but this really cute girl uh that peter vankman is like trying to flirt with she'll say anything she'll be like there's a unicorn behind that and he's like it is a unicorn congratulations you're so genius and so she's not gotten shocked once and um but it, it it's very funny it's a very funny scene but peter gets quickly called away because uh, somebody in the library um, has seen a ghost and they don't know what to make of it. And they're, they are right now, they're at NYU, these three gentlemen kind of running this paranormal psychology uh, group. And so they go over to look at it. Now, the opening scene, I got to say, when I was watching it again for the purpose of this film, I was mm. really impressed once again by the visual effects because you don't see the ghost in the opening scene, you see this sweet little like four and a half foot librarian. She's so tiny. <laughs> and um, and she's like putting the books away. She's down in the basement of the New York library, which is probably like 400 years old or some craziness. And you see books like kind of move behind her and they're floating in the air, but she doesn't, she doesn't take any notice of it. And then all of a sudden, all of the cards from the Dewey decimal system which is horrifying in and of itself. Okay. I don't know who made that system, but they're, they're, they're psychopaths. Um, all of the cards just start to fly out of their little card holders and the way in which they're doing that, it looks so creepy and so spooky. And so she's running mm -hmm. away, she's screaming. So they, they all have to kind of round uh, themselves up. They grab, you know, their ecto reader and their, uh, abnormal activity, paranormal activity measurement stick, and they all end up going to this library where they meet the head of the library, right? Yeah, that's Who's right. Hilarious. So, yeah, so Dr. Winkman's he's in uh, he's in doing that uh, that ESP testing. We have Ray uh, who comes in. He's kind of like the the ringleader here of the Ghostbusters, uh, played by uh, Dan Aykroyd, of course. And then so they're going to the library because someone saw the some paranormal abnormalities. I think they call it. Uh, and it was, you know, it was the little uh, librarian lady. So they get there. And then uh, the third member here, Egon, uh, who is played by Harold Remus, um, who also, on a side note, uh, people probably know, but uh, Harold Remus and uh, Dan Aykroyd were the, you know, kind of the writers of this thing. They put it all together. Um, but yeah, so he's already there at the library waiting uh, for them to get there. So the three of them are uh, heading down into the basement of the library to see if they can figure figure out this uh, spirit. I guess is kind of their first 
uh, I guess, pro bono case before uh, they become the actual Ghostbusters. But they get down there. The books are all disheveled. <laughs> There's like a stack of books on the floor. <laughs> you know, of course, uh, Dr. Wegman, Bill Murray's like, a, no human could ever step books like this, which is just hilarious. He's totally not buying into uh, you know, everything that Ray and Egon are quite buying into, but there's a bunch of gross slime around and they eventually find their first ghost. And it, uh, just, uh, just a ghost of an old lady, just kind of floating in the air. Just, she know, wants them sh- to be quiet, Brian. Yeah. So I guess she's she been raised from the dead to just tell them all to shh. Yeah, that's right. I guess so. So she must have been a former librarian or something like that. But uh, they see it. They, you know, Ray does his best to try to catch it by just going out there. And <laughs> he says, like, come with me or something like that. And she flies through him. She turns into a very scary looking like monster face, uh, which is absolutely terrifying, uh, flies through them. And uh, yeah, they are very excited about this uh, scrape with a spirit from the netherworld and yeah. uh, uh, pretty excited about it. So uh, that's good, but it's bad because they go back to NYU to their office and the dean or whoever is there. And he's like, yeah, you guys are fired because you're maniacs and we don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, but they collected a lot of data, like Egon's the, the, the smart scientist, right? And so he's like, hey, I think we collected enough data. We can actually create a space in which we kind of suck a ghost into like a box and Mm -hmm. we can put it into another storage container. And so if we see these paranormal activities and these apparitions, we can, you know, kind of remediate them for people uh, if they're really being haunted by a ghost. And so, you know, it's sort of fortuitous, right? There's this great scene in front of um, the psychology building. And it's a real sp- place it, at, at NYU. There are like lions on either side and Ray and Peter are, you know, having a, having a drink out of a bl- brown paper bag kind of thing. And they're like, I can't believe this. You know, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, we, D- Dan Aykroyd's character is like, I really like the university. We didn't have to produce anything. They gave us money. It was great. <laughs> I have to actually go to work in the private sector. They expect results. What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, and Peter kind of convinces him, hey, you know, let's take a third mortgage out on your house uh, that mm-hmm. your parents left you and let's go into business for ourselves. And we're going to call ourselves the Ghostbusters. So that's what they end up doing. Yeah, so so Ray goes in. He like sells his family house basically uh, to get some money, and they're going around looking at places where they can start up their own their own business venture. Uh, like you said, the Ghostbusters. So they go into this firehouse, which you can still go to. It's in uh, New York City. You can go buy it, um, which is pretty cool. And they go in there. Um, <laughs> the building doesn't look great. It's and uh, pretty uh, pretty disheveled and in disarray. But there's a fireman's pole that uh, Ray goes down, uh, which he thinks is great because. Uh, Ray is like the very excitable, like boyish kind of member of the Ghostbusters, a total believer, loves the fire pole, loves the firehouse. He says, let's buy it. And they do. And that is now the headquarters of the world famous Ghostbusters. Uh, So we're going to cut over. We're going to meet a couple of our other characters and this kind of kind of rounds out the uh, crew here. So we're going going into this like a uh, very fancy looking like high rise apartment building and we meet Lewis and Dana. So Lewis, uh, kind of this nerdy character uh, played by Rick Moranis, who's absolutely incredible <laughs> in this. Uh, he's wearing like a awesome like sweatsuit kind of thing when, when we first meet him. And he's going out into the hallway to talk to his neighbor, Dana, who's played by Sigourney Weaver, 
who just got back from, uh, you know, Alien. Last week we talked about her and she got to Earth and she moved into this building and that's where she is now. Uh, but yeah, Dana's there. They're kind of, you know, chatting out in the hallway. Like he's like inviting her over for some like mineral water or something. Uh, she, you know, she, of course, you know, is uh, letting him down as gentle as can be. And she goes into her apartment and that's when some spooky stuff starts happening. Yes. And uh, it's really cool. Once again, the visual effects are pretty awesome here, I think, because it's simple. Um, Well, it starts out simple, but I don't know how they did it. And that's why it's I still can't figure it out. Um, So I'm sure there's a documentary that shows me uh, the magic behind it, but it's really cool. So she's putting together her or putting away her groceries and her eggs like start to pop out of their kind of egg carton and they start to cook on the counter and she's watching this like in abject horror you would think because she just saw an alien that this would be small potatoes but she has forgotten that whole thing and now thinks that she's a cellist in the orchestra in new york so whatever she is um horrified by this countertop that now is cooking uh sunny side up eggs in front of her and then she hears this really awful growling sound and she opens the the refrigerator door, which is the opposite of what you should be doing. Once again, you should just walk away. You should run. You should run out the door. You hear something coming out of your your fridge. It's either like a rat that shouldn't be in there or it's Zool. I mean, one of the, (laughs) one of the two, right? That's right. Yeah. Don't do that. It is a, it is a spooky looking portal with a spooky looking uh, character there. Uh, It's like two dog things demanding Zool. Uh, and that's bad. Um, but it's good because, you know, the Ghostbusters are nearby. So she goes, she sees like an advert for him on the TV when she first gets home. Uh, it, and it's like the cheesiest advert of all time. It's absolutely hilarious, but yeah, she goes to this firehouse. Uh, she goes in, she meets the receptionist of the Ghostbusters who is the very amazing, uh, Annie Potts, Who's playing a character uh, called Janine? She is amazing. Um, amazing. And she's she's so good in this. Well, she's really so good in every role. But um, but yeah, she's the receptionist. Uh, she lets him in, and then of course, you know, Peter sees uh, you know Dana come in. So he's like he's like jumping over the wall to like come out and like intercept her before like anyone else can go in and talk to her. Um, they end up going, and you know, they have a little meeting. There are three Ghostbusters and Dana, and she's telling them what they saw and they're kind of thinking about it. So, okay, yeah, we can, we can try to find out, find Zool and, you know, some of our old research texts. We can, you know, take a look at the blueprints for the building, see if anything's up with that. Peter's like, yeah, I'll just go with you back to your place. And, you know, we can, well, you know, we'll, we'll inspect that there. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the, the first sort of uh, goings on here that we get for, for Zool. And that kind of gets the, the party started for the Ghostbusters. And they don't really come up with anything here in this, uh, this first look, right. Other than, uh, Peter gets some one-on-one time with Dana, which, uh, he was pretty happy about, but we are about to get our first case. So you'll see Janine there sitting at the desk and someone calls, you know, she looks totally annoyed, which she does every time someone calls or bothers her, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. But, uh, the, the other end of this phone call is that there are some, uh, crazy things afoot at the Sedgwick hotel. And she just screams out, boys, we got one hits the alarm. Uh, they're all sitting around and it's time to get to action. Yeah. The cool thing about this fire station is it still works as a fire station, I guess. And so she sounds the alarm. They use the pole. They've got these really cool little, like, uh, kind of, 
cabinets that hold all their clothes. And so, you know, and they're, they're, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're super excited. Ray, there's a great picture a shot of Ray, like going down the, down the pole. And then he's like, oh man, that was, he's kind of thrown off his game, trying to like put on some pants. <laughs> so they're all trying to get like all dressed up and they have these, um, uh, kind of these ecto, uh, guns right that it's a pack that sits on their back and they're they're wearing these really cool coveralls that have this amazing logo um this logo by the way was um they they didn't know what to do with uh the logo and so they uh one of the producers actually created it and so oh. uh, it's it's super cool looking it's just a ghost with the with the no sign on top of it it's really fun mm-hmm. um but they get to the sedgwick hotel and uh, you know, the, the manager is amazing. He's so comedic in the way in which he's talking. He's got this kind of contrite, uh, English accent. And he's like, everyone knows about the the 12th floor, but we need to do this very quickly and very quietly. And everybody needs to like, not know that anything is going on because it is really bad this time. You've got to come, you've got to come help me. And, you know, they look like they are the world's scariest and largest exterminators, right? I mean, they're, so they're mm-hmm. trying to be discreet, but, but like everyone's looking at them and some guy's like, what's going on? And he's, and of course, Peter Vengman doesn't miss a beat. He's like, someone saw a cockroach on 12. It's fine. And they're yeah. like, that, that cockroach has to be the size of a VW bug because y'all look like you're going to like send in World War Three going after this thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to be discreet, though, when you're blazing up the road and you're awesome. Uh, Hearst turned, you know, a crime or crime, a ghost fighting car, the Ecto-1, which is one of the coolest cars, of course, in you know cinema history. It's very iconic. The white and the red and the like crazy tubes coming out of it. And it's got like the like the siren and the lights flashing blue. Uh, it's uh, super cool. But yeah, they get to the Cedric Hotel, they go up to the 12th floor, uh, you know, they have their little proton packs there, they're uh, firing off, you know, uh, you know, at maids, you know, on accident, of course, because you're a little jumpy, probably, if you're going out to catch your first ever ghost with these things uh, that I, that I believe um, uh, Egon is like, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just like a nuclear bomb strapped to your back or something like that. So, you know, go, it's ahead, fine. And go, it's fine. go ahead and perfectly go ahead safe. And go ahead and power me up. But yeah, so we see our first ghost uh, and it's Slimer, everyone's favorite little ghost. He's uh, super gross, eating everything, uh, running around, flying around, and they are trying to fire off these little uh, proton uh, packs, these things to catch him. Um, And Egon drops the, uh, you know, little uh, little bit of advice. Don't cross the streams, Michaela. Don't Don't cross the stream. So yeah, yeah. And of course, Peter Vangman's like, I'm a little, what what does that mean? He says, that could be bad. He says, I'm a little uh, unclear on the good, bad. What do you mean? And he's like, imagine everything exploding in the speed of light. And he's like, oh, okay, that's bad. Good safety tip. Okay, don't cross the streams, boys and girls. That sounds great. Uh, But that comes back to get them in the end because uh, they don't cross the streams uh, this time. They, But they do end up ruining this beautiful ballroom that... Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's on the 12th floor. If they know that there's ghosts on the 12th floor, I don't know if maybe they had moved. Um, but this ballroom is getting all sorts of uh, redecorated by Slimer, right? There are chandeliers falling from the ceiling. There are plates and things being crashed everywhere. There's food that they kind of laid out for this buffet that is now all over the walls. And of mm-hmm. course, Peter Vankman gets slimed. 
because yeah, there's this gets- ectoplasm that any, any every ghost apparently has and he just heads right towards peter vankman and he gets covered in this stuff and of course egon's like please save me some because i want to analyze it later <laughs> Yeah, that's that's right. We'd seen like big globs of it back at the library. And yeah, Slimer leaves uh, Peter covered in it. Uh, Yeah, they're just like making an absolute mess of this thing. But they end up uh, catching Slimer and they get him down into their little ghost catching uh, contraption, which is pretty cool. They get him out of there. It's it's really funny. They're they're leaving. This ballroom is just absolutely destroyed. But they they have him hanging there in their little trap and they're talking to the hotel manager guy and that you know tell him it's going to be five thousand dollars he says i absolutely will not pay that but they're like okay we'll just go put it back and that's what um so of course they do and that was that was their first official job their first official payday and that gets the ghostbusters off and running so you're going to see the ecto-1 uh tearing through the city you're going to hear ray parker jr uh blaring away on his uh, ghostbusters uh, theme song and you're going to see just a montage of like news reports and them catching ghosts and ghosts around the city uh it's pretty fantastic yeah it's 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 this film really the plot's not amazing right like if we watched it with probably less better actors we would be like this is a silly film because there's not a lot of meat to it but it's so good the montage of them kind of catching all these different kinds of ghosts um, mm-hmm. and, you know, having some really weird otherworldly experiences uh, amongst them. They're, they're, they're super busy. You know, uh, Annie Potts is finally happy because <laughs> there's something for her to do. Um, and she's still, she's still snarky, but, you know, they're all over. Um, they're on Time Magazine, they're in the New Yorker, and Dana, who uh, is still living in her apartment, even though it had like dogs and Zool crying out from her uh, kitchen, uh, she's made the the unfortunate decision to stay in that apartment, and she is watching kind of this from afar, and she's, you know, you, the, in, intermixed with the montage of them you know, catching ghosts, is she kind of living her life, and still, you know, seeing Peter Vankman on the, on the TV, and uh, hearing about it, them on the radio and all of the cool things that they're doing. And, um, you know, I think at first she thinks he's really kind of a pest because he is like way into her. And, um, you know, but now, you know, when she hears it, she's, she's kind of smiling and, you know, I think it softened her up a little bit, which is good because, you know, they finally done some more research on her house or well, her apartment building. And it's, it was built in a really weird way. It's got some weird structural stuff happening. And so they're like, hmm, we should, we should probably let her know <laughs> that, this, yep. that, that she should move maybe, <laughs> which is pretty obvious from the first time. But uh, so Peter Vangman, I love the scene where he goes to try and see her and you see a little bit more about Dana's like personal life. She mm-hmm. is a cellist and there's a gentleman that is a violinist, it looks like, or he's, he's part of the string family. Anyway, he's, they're both carrying their their instruments out of uh, this building. And he's talking about how crazy the orchestra director is and, and how he's screaming at them in German or something. But, um, you know, Peter Venkman's kind of waiting uh, to see her. And there's this really lovely exchange where she's, she's like, oh, hi, how's it going? And, and he's like, ah, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I think we should talk about your house and <laughs> where you're living and Zool. <laughs> so they like set up a date but it ends up being like a date, right? Where she's like, oh, I, I, I can meet you on Thursday. That's fine. And so it, it 
definitely, um, it's a very tender kind of conversation. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got the, got the uh, time and place set up to go back and meet Dana, but we're going to meet another Ghostbuster first. Um, you know, through this montage, you can see businesses ramping up. Um, uh, Janine is, you know, getting stressed out. There's too much work. So we're going to need to hire some help. So we're going to meet the next member of the Ghostbusters, Winston, played by Ernie Hudson. Um, he's amazing uh, in this in this film. Uh, his little, like, um, like quips he makes throughout. But I really love the interview. Um, you know, she's uh, she's talking to him. She's like, do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you believe in paranormal realities? Do you believe in all this stuff? And he's like... I don't believe in any of that stuff, but I believe in getting a paycheck. So I'm, I'm here to work in, you know, about that time, Ray and Egon come in, you know, with a couple more of their uh, traps and he just looks over at them and, you know, Janine's like, uh, here's Winston. He's here to interview for the job. And, you know, Ray just looks at him and says, you're hired, take these ghosts. <laughs> he just uh, gets right to work. So we learn about where they're putting these ghosts, right? They're in like, like a, it looks like a garbage chute more or less kind of a, kind of a thing, but it has, <laughs> but it has like, um, has all these like lights on it and like all these buttons you have to push because it's like some like laser containment grid or something that Egon's, you know, built into the wall of this firehouse, uh, which seems like a bad idea if you're going to have ghosts to just have them, you know, stored right there. Maybe build that same thing somewhere else, like out of the, you know, one of the most populous cities. Yeah. And in the country for sure. So uh, maybe don't do that. But yeah, Winston's part of the team now, which is good because they're going to need help. Because it's time Targeting for it's time for Peter to go over to Dana's house, you know, to to check on the ghost situation, but mostly to check on the Dana situation. So, yeah, yeah, and and Dana, you know, so it, it's it, things are really ramping up in this in this at the top level of this uh, building. So I don't know uh, if you ever lived in a high rise in a swanky high rise apartment. Um, you might, you might have, I don't know, but, uh, I haven't either, but I I know people that have, and I swear to, to all that is good in the world that none of them had an altar at the top floor with like Mm -hmm. gargoyle looking things. Okay. None of them had like this sacrificial tower at the top of it. So, um, Unfortunately, that is not true for Dana's building. So she comes home one day from working out. And of course, Louis Louis, uh, tries to invite her to this party. She doesn't really want to go. And then she gets a call from her mom. Her mom's nagging her about her dating life. And she admits that she's got a date that night with Peter Venkman. And then, of course, she hears some crazy growling sound which we knew was going to happen. And like the dog thing that was in her, in her refrigerator is now inside her chair and it like grabs her and it pulls her into the kitchen. And, uh, we're really worried that she might be dead. Um, but she's not dead because she opens the door for Peter. Uh, well, her likeness opens the door for Peter when he goes to her date, um, and meets her at her house. And she, she looks very different. Um, she's got a lot of gold makeup and her eyes are all smoky and she's wearing this like red sheet looking thing and it's like very different she is she looks very relaxed (laughs) maybe that's the right word um and she just asks peter she's like are you the key master and he's like i don't think i am uh i uh," and then she slams the door in his face (laughs) i love it yeah he's like that's a different look for you (laughs) (laughs) what's going on dana (laughs) 
and, and yeah, so she asks if he's the uh, key master and, you know, he says, no, he's like, uh, no, are, are you okay? What's wrong with you? Um, and so she uh, you know, slams the door in his face. So uh, Peter being, you know, as omnipresent as he is, he knocks on the door again and, you know, she opens it the same exact way. She says, are you the key master? The same exact way. And he says, uh, yes, of course, I'm the key master. <laughs> let, let, let's go inside. Uh, but, you know, not everything is great because Dana's acting a little squirrely. She ends up like throwing herself down onto the bed and Peter's kind of standing there and then all of a sudden she just starts to levitate um and this is actually one of my favorite like cool like effects like tricks that they do because she's like levitating from the bed which which is pretty cool in and of itself but then she likes like rotates around to where she's going from like laying on her back to laying face down um so that's that's really good how they hid the the wires or however they they did that to allow her to move like that and you don't see it it looks uh really seamless and and really great um you have another like super creepy thing like when she's you know turning into zool or you know whatever is happening she's getting possessed by this thing um and she's sitting in the the chair and just all these creepy looking arms just like rip out of the chair and like grab her and then the chair like slams in through the kitchen door uh which also was like coming to life the door with like these faces and hands and stuff in it so uh pretty spooky stuff so uh peter eventually uh you know kind of you know, gives her something to you know kind of knock her out so she can't do any damage to herself he calls ray and is like uh ray we, we have issues we need to uh th this maybe is more serious than we at first thought that it was but we found out that zool is like the uh, I don't know, like some agent of this, you know, demigod from 600 BC uh, called Gozer. Um, you know, Zul's looking for this key master, which is going to open up the portal on top of this building. Uh, but we don't have a key master yet. Um, so Not who's, yet. Going, who's going to be a good key master? I don't know. One of these, one of these creepy little like dogs that was, you know, on top of the building uh, comes to life and it's chasing down the most likely of key masters. And that is uh, Rick Moranis, right? Lewis is, is going to be our key master i love it chasing him through the city so. oh my gosh this poor kid this poor guy cannot get a break um so you know he keeps asking dana anytime he goes in the hallway first of all he gets he locks himself out of the apartment um his own apartment and so he's throwing a party and he's such a kind of a nerdy guy right he's he's um of shorter stature he's got glasses he's got like the slick you know oil slicked kind of coiffed hair and he's at this at his own party he's welcoming in clients because he wants to be able to take the tax deduction. So he actually doesn't uh, have any of the, these people aren't his friends, they're clients, but he wanted to throw a party. And so he's like, Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to play Parcheesi. We're going to do some break dancing. It's going to be awesome. And the, everyone that comes in, he's like telling everyone else their financial situation, which uh, is funny because he's like, Oh, there's Ted and Annette. They've only got 12 years left on their mortgage. And it's at like 18%. They're going to be great. You know, it's, it's like, so, and then of course this dog thing runs through the apartment, starts to chase after him. He gets out of the apartment. It's chasing him through uh, central park. It chases him through tavern on the green. Um, and he's like, Oh my God, what do you have? He's like, who brought the dog? What's going on? I love dogs. What's going on? <laughs> Poor guy. And he ends up getting possessed the same way Dana did. And so he is now kind of walking through the, <laughs> the city and he looks real rough. Um, he's like talking to animals, trying to ask them, Hey, where, you know, <laughs> are you the gatekeeper? Cause apparently he's the key master and we need, you know, both of these people to get together. And, um, 
you know, he gets picked up by the police shocker because he's real creepy. And of course they're like, this is weird. And they take him over to the building uh, for the ghostbusters. So Egon and Mm. uh, Ray are kind of interviewing him and he's like, yeah, Gozer, we're going to welcome Gozer and it's going to bring about the end of the world end of the universe. It's going to be great. And about then, you know, they get the call from Peter that's like, hey, my girlfriend is uh, floating in the air. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's it's real weird, guys. Yeah, it's real hilarious when Lewis gets like over to the Ghostbusters office. I don't don't know if this was scripted or what, but he just keeps handing Ray things like from around the like in like the kitchen area. He hands him like a pan, he hands him a lamp and he's like picking up the phone. Uh, It's it's really uh, pretty funny. But yeah, so we have we have Dana and Lewis now are possessed by these demons. That is bad. They're trying to figure out how uh, they all need to get together um, to go fight this thing. And so they you know they need to they need to go do this but they run into some trouble first right so like the epa guy's been hounding them for a while um and he you know ends up going they shut down the ghost containment field which is bad you'll just see all of the ghosts just like shooting out of the top of the firehouse there uh people are standing around looking at it and not running away in abject terror which is what you should do in a- and an event like this, you'll see like like Slimer's back out. He's eating a bunch of like hot dogs off the off the car. You'll see like a, you know, all these uh, ghosts running around the city. Uh, so that's bad. Uh, so what happens when things go real bad? You get sent to the mayor's office um, to figure this stuff out, right? So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, there's this there's the big there's a big explosion right at the Ghostbusters uh, uh, firehouse, and you know the this this guy Walter Peck. So they make a lot of Peck jokes and we're just going to leave it at that. Um, but they, the Walter Peck is from the EPA and he and Peter Venkman really don't like each other. Um, so he's like, the egg caused an explosion and they're ruining the environment. And, you know, and um, it's New York, man. I mean, they, nobody cares about that. Um, so the mayor is like, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, there's all these hauntings now and all these ghosts have re-entered the, the city and everyone's freaking out. And like he and, you know, he gets a, uh, the, a the cardinal from the Catholic church ends up showing up and he's like, what do we do? And he's like, I think it's a sign from God. But other than that, I can't comment because, you know, because we're not supposed to believe in ghosts. <laughs> So it's like, oh no. And it's, it's one of my favorite scenes because each one of the Ghostbusters, including the new, the newest member, Winston played by Ernie Hudson is like, this is real. And this could be really bad. If you need to let us out, you need to let us help um, because this is bad. It's going to like, and they're trying to explain, um, you know, it's going to be like end of days, you know, dogs and cats Mm -hmm. living together, mass hysteria, and yeah yeah i love winston they're like they're like in jail right from from like the epa explosion like straight away and winston's like i'm not i just got hired i'm not even like with these guys i barely even know what's going on and then you know about that time like the the officer shows up to release the ghostbusters from jail he's like yeah i'm with them (laughs) i'm in them i'm 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 their newest member i'm their newest member so yes so they get there and the the mayor decides to go with uh peter's plan right peter says that you know, if, if we're wrong, you can throw us back in jail, but if we're right, we'll save the city and the lives of a million, uh, of your, you know, registered voters. So the mayor thinks that that sounds pretty good. So they're there, they're gearing up to go to, uh, you know, this apartment building that is now possessed and like exploding and there's creepy clouds up above it and they get there. There's like 
I don't know, like 100,000 people just circled around this building, which seems like a terrible idea, but they're all there to wait for the Ghostbusters to show up because the Ghostbusters basically now are like rock stars. The yeah. Echo One pulls up, they get their uh, proton packs out of there. Uh, it looks super cool. Uh, but about then, another uh, really cool effect, the Earth just basically opens up and swallows like a police car. It swallows all of them. You think that, okay, well, that went bad. Uh, but no, it it's super cool looking how they got like the road to, to split out. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite um, effects because I don't, I still don't quite understand how they did it and how it looks so real Um, because you see like the layers of the earth, which Mm -hmm. from a, you know, my, my friend Wilbur, who's a civil engineer would be able to tell me all, all of it. But like, you see, there's the crust of like the, the actual turf on the road. And then there's like, there's like some subfloor and then there's like even more dirt. It's so cool the way that it looks. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it just completely swallows them up. And so it, it doesn't look, I mean, it, it looks like they really did hurt themselves and maybe they did, I don't know, but they like, it like opens and they kind of fall sink in and then you get, uh, yeah, it swallows a car and there's all these other cracks and everyone starts to run, but they don't run far enough away because apparently the Ghostbusters are fine and they kind of climb out of this sinkhole and they're like, it's all right, we can handle it, it's fine. And so now they're like, everything's great. That probably won't happen again. Let's just stay here and watch what's going on on the top of this roof. That's right, just stay and watch. But yeah, so they need to get up to Dana's apartment, right? Uh, but you know, in times of trouble, elevators are out of service. So you get a really funny scene of them like going up like, like 10 billion stairs to get to Dana's apartment. Uh, they get up there, no one's up there, uh, but they open like, I don't know, it's like the kitchen door or like some other like secret door they find in her apartment and there's stairs. <laughs> Ray's like, hey, Peter, where do those stairs go? And he's like, looks like they go up. So uh, they're going up. They get out to the uh, the rooftop level. And that's where we see, you know, Dana is there. The uh, our, our key master, Lewis, is there. Uh, the portal is there. They're, you know, standing on these pedestals and like lightning is joining them in this door and it opens and in comes Gozer, looking looking uh, pretty glam in some weird like bubble dress thing, very sparkly, very shiny. Uh, but Gozer's there to, I guess, I get take over the world. I don't really know what Gozer's Gozer's deal was, but Gozer seems like bad news. Yeah, no, and Gozer is such. Well, first they're like it's a woman, and I, I think now um, it's it's just a very strange like like we don't know, right? We don't know, but they're in this they've got this flat top haircut haircut their eyes are like super red um it you know there's like weird bubbles in in their in their clothing it looks like and they've got this like raspy voice it's like i am gozer and we're gonna destroy the world and so of course they're like well well you can't get through us and you have to go through us first and so of course peter's like go get them ray he just totally passes the buck. He's like, so Ray tries to be like, hey, um, I'm a, I represent Earth and we'd like you to leave. <laughs> like real polite. Right. Like, I, yeah. I insist that you go to another dimension or go back where you came from. And they're like, whatever. Yeah, he's and, like, I'm a representative of the city, county and state of New York. <laughs> will you please will you please go back to your own dimension or something like that and then she just she just she just kind of looks at him and she's like are you a god and he's like hey you know of course he like back at peter and peter's like nodding his head yes so but ray you know turns around can't can't tell a lie he's like no uh so then of course she shoots some lightning at him they about fall off of the building it's bad uh you know, 
Winston's like, if someone asks if you're a god, you always say yes. That's always always, always what you should do. But true gems uh, of wisdom coming out of Winston right there, because I, I agree with that totally. That's right. So so she's still there. So they, you know, they pick themselves back up. They they form their line again. They get out the proton packs. They fire. Uh, I don't it, it doesn't really look like they hit her, but they think that they hit her because she just disappeared. Uh, so maybe problem solved, but not really. Uh, problems about to get a lot bigger and a lot stickier. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess they just the Gozer character disappears, but you can hear their voice and they're like, choose the destructor. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And apparently uh, whoever they think about is going to come and be like the thing that destroys them. And so they just need to not think of anything. Right. I mean, that that makes sense. And so Peter's telling everyone, hey, don't think of anything. And then, of course, immediately after it's like the destructor has been chosen and everyone's like i didn't think of anything (laughs) did you think of anything and of course ray's face just falls and he's like oh no oh no and it's like what what did you do and then all of a sudden they start to like feel like the earth kind of move as if a dinosaur or some Mm -hmm. some sort of giant godzilla was gonna come and get them but it's not godzilla brian it's the stay puff marshmallow man it is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, it's really awesome. He's you know walking through the city. He's you know as tall as the skyscrapers. It's it's pretty great. Like he's not. I mean, he's just kind of walking around. Uh, but yeah, so they they need to get this guy. Um, what is cool if you if you watch watch back the movie, you probably don't notice it on your you know your first watch through for sure. But um, in Dana's apartment when she's there, like making her cooking her eggs and stuff, and the eggs are on the counter. There's a bag of Stay Puft Marshmallows there. There's like a Stay Puft Marshmallow like mural on the building that's next to the fire station. So you see that when the ghosts are like coming out of the of the top of it there. But yeah, the Stay Puft Marshmallow is there. It's a very, very iconic little like monster guy, but he's going through the city and eventually gets over to the building where, you know, where they are and he starts like climbing up. I get really cool effects. It, it had to have been just like a big, huge puppet that they made because then like fire is out, like burning the face off of the Stay Puft Marshmallow right. Man. And they eventually, you know, they, they try to, they try to shoot them with the, you know, with their proton packs, but it's not like, they don't have enough firepower to take down this big giant thing. So right. they're kind of, they're kind of last option they have is to go, you know, shoot this portal. If they can destroy the portal, maybe it'll like suck everything back into it. Uh, so what do you do? You cross the streams. Now Egon says that there's like a 99% chance of death here doing this uh, uh, to which Peter's like, that sounds good. That's a good plan. Let's do that. So, so, so they, they do, you'll see all four of them, you know, crossing the stream into the gate uh, and it works. The gate explodes. The state Bush marshmallow man explodes. There's marshmallows everywhere. Uh, everyone's dead. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess, I guess problem solved, but what about our key master and our gatekeeper? Yeah, they get fried. Um, yeah, it's real, <laughs> it's real sad actually. Cause they're all excited. Cause the, the Ghostbusters are still alive and they're like, we did it. We did it. And then even, and it's like, even though oh. like, even though like the whole entire top of the building like exploded, right. there, there's, there's no way that they could have survived, but, but they did. It's okay. But they did. It's fine. Um, it's fine. And they're like, oh yeah. And then they, they see this, the, the, you know, the dog creature things are all like uh, completely uh, burned. Right. They're mm-hmm. like, and um, Ray's like, oh, Peter, your girlfriend i'm so sorry oh man (laughs) oh and peter looks really sad and then um 
like she ends up being on the inside trying to like crawl her way out. And it's so cool because I don't know how they got her in there. And mm-hmm. because she's literally like destroying it as she's le- like leaving. And so they end up, I, I don't know if they just encased her in this thing and said, all right, we're going to, all right, Sigourney, yeah. <laughs> we're in When we say go start to try and crawl yourself, crawl yourself out of this thing. Right. I have no mm-hmm. idea how they did it. It's so cool, but she's like covered in soot. And, you know, her gold dress is like all in shambles. Her makeup's gone. And she and Peter Venkman like gen, gently like lifts her out of these ashes. And Lewis is fine, too. He's, of course, it's a lot more funny. He's like, somebody let turn out the lights. And he's got this helmet got like of the, what the, yeah, he's got, like the dog head, like still <laughs> still on his, his head. head. I, love, I love that Peter's like, you know, he's carrying, you know, Sigourney Weaver. He's carrying Dane off. He's like, you guys go help that little guy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guess so, babe. So so he get, gets them out of there. Um, you know, they're all covered in uh, Stay Puff marshmallow goo. But, uh, you know, the city's saved, you know, except for all the stuff that, you know, the ghosts and Stay Puff Marshmallow Man have destroyed. But they go down, heroes of the city. Uh, it's pretty exciting. At, like everyone's left by the time uh, Lewis gets downstairs, which which is pretty good. But uh, they have kind of a little thing. So Lewis asks them if they need, uh, you know, if they need an accountant. So that could be a hint at what's coming in our Ghostbusters 2 story. Um, and yeah, day is saved. Ghosts are back, you know, through the closed gate. There is one ghost still still out there flying around. And it's our green little buddy, the, you know, the spawn of the high sea ectocooler, the most amazing drink for children ever. Uh, it's Slimer, and he just kind of flies into the camera to end our end our story, end our adventure with Zool and Gozer, uh, uh, creepy animated dogs, and uh, yeah, scary ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's Ghostbusters, and it's a classic. So what what do we what do we think about Ghostbusters, Michaela? You know, I, I, we really wanted to do, uh, when we chose Ghostbusters for this month of, you know, Halloween, we wanted to do things that were uh, in equal parts spooky and kind of family friendly. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think this does uh, a really good job because that opening scene, if you haven't seen it before, it's actually pretty scary. I remember seeing it for the first time. I was probably six or seven. I was exposed to Ghostbusters. And that opening scene uh, with the librarian is 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 actually pretty scary, but by the end, you know, it's it's got enough comedy in it, and it's you know it it works. So it's scary, but it's a really good mix. Um, I love this film. It's one of my favorites. I probably watch it a couple times a year. I love mm-hmm. the second one. This is one of the few instances where I think that the uh, second film in the series is just as good as the first, if not better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard, hard to do. Um, cause usually they're just trying to make as much money as they can. So they're like, well, we gotta, we gotta keep giving them what they want. Uh, they took five years to make the sequel, uh, for this one. And, um, I think it was five years well spent. Um, so I, I love it. Um, it's, it's, I was talking about this earlier. It's not the most amazing plot, but because it is so brilliantly delivered mm-hmm. by all of the characters, it somehow works. Like, as we're talking about it, it sounds really ridiculous. It sounds like it's a B-grade kind of 70s monster film or ghost film. But it's Mm -hmm. not because it's so well uh, written and so well acted. And the timing, the comedic timing is just brilliant. Yeah, and it's it would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall and see, like, how much the 
script and deliveries of these things changed. Like I mentioned, you know, Rick Moranis kind of doing that stuff in the in the kitchen there. Like, and that to me felt very like unscripted. Like he was just mm-hmm. trying to act squirrely to see if he could like get a rise out of Dan Aykroyd in that scene. Um, it doesn't come across that Bill Murray, like any of his dialogue was scripted. <laughs> He's just right. kind of making it up because it just sounds like that's how Bill Murray would act if he was really a real Ghostbuster. Um, yeah, and the the cast does it great and they have such a really good balance of the character you have you know you have bill murray being you know kind of this this charismatic uh not not really slacker but like lackadaisical about everything you have dan Aykroyd's character who's uh you know super eager and super into the stuff and like really excited and then you have egon who's you know very scientific very like stoic and you know just very stone cold and uh kind of his delivery of this stuff so it just it just works really well and then i think um, you know, having uh, Annie Potts there as, you know, the receptionist, she kind of kind of ties this group together uh, really well. So yeah, Ghostbusters is pretty fantastic. Like we said, it's a lot of people's, you know, favorite film, favorite franchise, uh, you know, something that you definitely watched a bunch of times growing up for sure. It spawned, you know, the sequels, it's got the, uh, the new one coming out, I think like in the middle of September. So as of recording about a month away from that now. Uh, so that's definitely something we're uh, interested in checking out too. Um, yeah, uh, pretty great stuff. Special effects are, are good. Like I said, some of them look dated, but I like it. It's still like even looking at it, like even though some of it looks kind of hokey, like you look at like the like the dogs when they kind of animate and come together, you're, you're like trying to put your finger on how they made it. So even though, yeah. you know, it looks dated and a little funky, it still it still is amazing that, you know, they're able to do this stuff and, you know, 1984 and uh, that's pretty awesome. So yeah. let us let us know if you think that Ghostbusters is awesome or if you like Ghostbusters 2. Uh, better or if you're excited to see the new one uh, let us know all that stuff and if you make a Ghostbusters cocktail to have alongside of it we definitely want to see that and if you make a little marshmallow man uh, let us see that too because those are awesome Um, if you want to see ours you can do that on our uh, Instagram and Twitter it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies you can see pictures of ours our recipes um, episode recaps all that good stuff on the website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and if you accidentally cross the streams uh that's okay uh you can make up for it by uh you know getting subscribed and a review on the podcast where should they do that Michaela? you can find us on apple podcasts spotify or anywhere where anchor podcasts are distributed if you do like what you're hearing here at drink of the movies if you do like what you're hearing at drink the movies subscribe because you you would get us twice a week in all our wholesome goodness and leave us a five-star review because that really helps us get the drink, the movies stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for Ghostbusters. Michaela, any, any closing thoughts about this one? No, it's real good. Go see it. Drink a, drink a Ghostbusters while you're, while you're seeing it. It's a good, it's good. It's, it's good. And Halloween is upon us. And I think we should probably watch it again, but if we're going to, we're going to need another Ghostbuster because I drank all mine and it's gone. And that makes me sad. Well, I got the ingredients. Let's make it up. All right. We're going to go mix up another one and watch some more spooky movies. And we'll be back next week on Drink Drink the Movies. The Movies. Who are you going to call? Dogs and cats. Ghostbusters.